This is the Sergio Rodriguez Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Sergio Rodriguez Show, a show unlike any other. Today, the first round of the playoffs just finished. Sad for the Dolphins, who had a great chance in a divisional game where, statistically speaking, they had no chance. We always speak about how those divisional games, you can figure out a way to win them without playing your best, and they sure as hell had a great opportunity. Minnesota proved to be what they was or what they were all year. And a bunch of teams who came into the playoffs with hopes of doing something left the playoffs before they really got started. We're going to look ahead to next week's matchups. We're done with the Monday night stuff. So four games next week, two Saturday, two Sunday. Interesting matchups, good matchups. We'll go over a couple of the lines and a couple of the things. Obviously, we're going to discuss a couple of things from this past week's games and put together something really good for next week. But before we get started, Fairfield Physical Therapy, located in the Fairfield Commons G106, is owned and operated by Justin Solotoff, who has over 20 years of experience in the field of orthopedic physical therapy. Call Justin at 973-276-1313 and stop living with pain and discomfort. Epic Car Service, recognized as the number one car service in New York City by medical transportation standards, located in the Bronx, New York. Epic will make your commute a safe and comfortable experience. Call Epic at 718-401-3742 or 844-666-6278. Lucimer Auto Body, located at 27 Austin Street in Newark, provides top-of-the-line service to make your collision experience as smooth as possible. Go to lucimer.com or call them at 973-824-0113. I wonder how I sound on the mic right now. You know, it's funny. For like the last three or four weeks, I've been a little under the weather, feeling a little better. And then again, uh, not so great. I, I, I don't feel bad right now, but I feel a little nasally, right? I don't have that that boom in my voice, so... Bear with me as I get us through these next 15 or 20 minutes discussing this past weekend's events. We go to San Francisco where the 49ers beat Seattle 41 to 23, a game that Seattle led 17-16 at the half. And for a half there, it was, you know, a little dicey. For the 49ers, because remember that at the end of the day, with this team, regardless of the fact that they've run off this stretch of wins, you know, you're still dealing with a lot of new situations, particularly at the quarterback position. And so you're going to run into some things that you haven't run into before. And I think that if the 49ers ultimately do what I expect them to do, which is 
get to the Super Bowl, they're going to probably be happy that they had that type of experience in the first half against a team like Seattle, who they were going to beat all along, but they were able to put themselves and their quarterback in a situation where now he's trailed at the half, right? It's all about gaining different experiences as you navigate the playoffs. And they did. And, you know, Purdy, he's been really, really solid for for the 49ers. 18 for 30 in this game, 332 and three touchdowns. Yeah, a couple of long plays, right? There was the uh, there was the touchdown. There was a, the long touchdown to Samuel that that went for 74 yards. So it's not like he's slinging the ball all over the field, right? But he's doing his job right now. And listen, when you're a team like the 49ers, who has the type of horses they do, particularly on the defensive side, and you're playing in a conference where in the playoffs there's no definitive elite-level quarterback, having a backup quarterback that just doesn't make mistakes could be the key to getting you know to getting to the Super Bowl. I keep on saying getting to the Super Bowl. I just can't see them winning the Super Bowl because I can't see anybody from the NFC winning the Super Bowl. But if you don't make any mistakes at that position in this conference and your defense shows up, you're going to have a great, great opportunity to get to the Super Bowl. Kudos to DK Metcalf who showed up ready to ball. 10 catches, a buck 36, and two touchdowns in this game. The Jaguars, 31-30 over the Chargers. And look, I know that the conversation after the game was about Brandon Staley's you know, inability to coach this team. And I've been saying it for the better part of two years now, how I think that during the regular season, they constantly lose games or are constantly in situations that they should not be in because of the coaching, particularly all of the fourth down calls, the not kicking field goals. All of those things tend to add up. But with four minutes to go in the second quarter, this game was 27-0. And you can't lose that game. You can't lose that game. Especially when you give up a late touchdown to end the half. Okay, it is what it is. It's still 27-7. But you play most of the fourth, uh, most of the third quarter, and you don't do anything. You get you get possessions. Let's go back and look at this third quarter, and this is where it becomes an issue for me as uh, as a fan of the of the Chargers. Right? If you're a Charger fan and you are looking at this game, game is. 27-7, you come out of the half. 
and you get the ball. You get the ball at your 25. You go all the way down and you have a nice drive going to the Jacksonville 38. You have a first and 10 there in that situation. Now look at these, look at this drive here. And this is where, again, it gets crazy. You have first and 10 at the Jacksonville 38. Would, would a guy in, in, would a field goal kicker in Dicker who actually has been solid since he took over? Another five to seven yards makes the game 30 to seven. At least gets you that momentum back. Because at that point, all you're doing, you can trade field goals for touchdowns and win this game. First and 10 at the Jacksonville 38, Herbert pass incomplete. Second and 10 at the Jacksonville 38, shotgun, Herbert pass incomplete. Third and 10, shotgun, Herbert incomplete. Fourth down, you have to punt. That can't happen. And that's where a head coach has to take control of the game. Has to take control of the game. And even at 30-20, I mean, okay, I get it. They missed a field goal. But at 30-20, you came down and, again, you put yourself in a situation where in that drive, in that drive, you guys have hit on a bunch of plays and then you get to a situation of a, of a third and three when you've been going for it on fourth down all year, right? Because here's the thing that drives me crazy. You have a third and three at the Jacksonville 22. You've been going for it all year on fourth down or for the better part of the last two years. Throw the ball. Why throw the ball? Run the damn ball. See if you can get that first down on the ground. Because if you get to fourth and one, you're going to go for it anyway, right? And that's what gets coaches in trouble. Sometimes it's the bad decision-making, but it's also the lack of consistency in the way that they're coaching these games. Terrible job, but you know what? Kudos to, to the Jaguars. I've been saying it all year on my show. Great job by that staff. Great job by those players in that locker room. And after a four-interception first half, for Trevor Lawrence to come out and do what he did in that second half showed me a lot about who he is as a quarterback and his character. And now Jacksonville moves on, and the Chargers should be getting a new coach. Buffalo 34-31 over the Dolphins. It's incredible because if you go to the stat sheet, Miami had 231 yards of total offense, and they were in this game. They didn't even throw for 200. Hell, they only ran for 42 yards. So the fact that they were even in this game is incredible. But I'm going to tell you something that this is more indicative of Buffalo to me than Miami because Miami was banged up particularly at the quarterback position 
But Buffalo has not been sharp. Buffalo, who I picked to go to the Super Bowl when the season started. Buffalo, who I believe is the most talented team, 1 through 53 in the NFL, has not been sharp the last couple of weeks. Not at all. And I know that because Prescott is a lightning rod because of the team that he plays on for anything that goes bad, right? So Prescott will throw, this year is the first year that he's really been turnover prone in his career. It is what it is. But he's thrown 14, 15 interceptions this year. Josh Allen's been the same way. The difference is, Josh Allen plays for Buffalo and the other one plays for Dallas. But as big a Josh Allen guy as I am, and I've gone on record and said that he's the best quarterback in the NFL, and I believe that. My point is, you still have to take care of the ball. And to close out the season with New England, they were not sharp. And there's no reason as a 13-and-a-half-point favorite at home, that you come out and you're even trailing this game. They were trailing this game. 24-20 at one point. That cannot happen. Not to mention that at 34-31, Miami had the ball at midfield when when the drive ended and the game ended. That a fourth and one got a penalty and then had a fourth and five from midfield. Buffalo's scaring me right now. The Giants 31-24 over the Vikings. We spoke about how we felt the Giants had a good chance. And listen, when Vegas puts out that line that tells you that a home team with that record playing a team like the Giants who had nine wins and had one win over a winning team is only a three-point favorite. What that's telling you is that they felt the Giants were just as good as Minnesota, and rightfully so. And they went there and took care of business. Minnesota was fraudulent all year. The only team that was more fraudulent than them is the Ravens, and we always speak about that. Those two teams this year were Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And Minnesota showed it again. But if I hear one more person tell me that Daniel Jones is this elite level $40 million quarterback because for the second time in his career, they've gone over 30 points. And it was against the Vikings and the Colts. Stop. Stop. Okay, let's be clear about one thing. Has Daniel Jones cut down on his turnovers and stuff? Yes, we've spoken about this at nauseum on the show. He's doing a good job of following the game plan. The coaches are scheming him up to want to simple reads. One read, roll out, tuck it, run, do your thing. We get all that. But there's this belief that if you get him two quality receivers, he's all of a sudden going to become an elite passer. No, that's not the way it works. 
Because if you do that, you have to change the offense. And if you change the offense, you're going to go back to getting the same amount of turnovers and inconsistent play that you got before. If you're going to have Daniel Jones as your quarterback, you are going to be limited with the amount of games that you can win because once you go behind 10, 14 points, you're done because you can't throw from the pocket and that offense is not built to play from behind. But if you have Daniel Jones as your quarterback, you can win the games that you should win because if he follows instructions, which he has proven to do, you can win games. But there's a reason why the Giants only beat one team with a winning record before they beat the Vikings. Because in those games, you never trail. Against bad teams, you will not trail if you are better coached. Or you will be trailing by three, trailing by seven. You won't be down double figures. But you're not coming back down 13 with this offense. But if you're the Giants, enjoy this win. Because playoff wins don't come around too often. The Bengals, 24-17 over the Ravens. I said on one of my Instagram posts when I was speaking about some of the gambling lines that I felt of all the big spreads, right? We had three games that had big spreads. The 49ers, Buffalo, and Cincinnati had huge spreads. I thought this game had the best opportunity for the underdog to keep the game close. Statistically speaking, the Miami-Buffalo game should not have been close. But this divisional matchup with this type of spread, I thought would stay close enough to cover the line, and it did. It ended up at 7 I never felt that the Ravens would win the game. But look, to be honest with you, at 17-17 and Baltimore driving at the goal line, you kind of began you began to believe that maybe you know you could get some type of an upset here. And Huntley, I can't fault him for trying to make a play, but he tries to make a play, tries to jump over the line to get to the goal line. The ball gets knocked out of his hands, and Sam Hubbard picks it up, goes 98 yards for a touchdown, gives Cincinnati the lead, and at that point, the game's essentially over. Crazy. Crazy. I will tell you, I was a little disappointed in Cincinnati that after that 24-17 lead, they went two possessions where they only ran nine plays and they gave the ball back twice to the Ravens. Concerning, concerning in a playoff scenario. But they are very banged up at the offensive line. Another week helps them, but you can't have that type of performance late in the fourth quarter against Buffalo this weekend. 
The Cowboys 31-14 on the road against Tampa Bay. And anyone who listens to my show knows two things about me. One, I'm a Cowboy fan. But two, I'm not a huge Dak Prescott fan. I've always said he's empty calorie Dak. Dak and Deshaun Watson to me are what they are. But Dak Prescott, he was damn near Joe Montana the other night. 25 for 33, 305, four touchdowns. Making every right decision. Every right decision. Looking away safeties. Throwing at the blitz. Doing everything he needed to do for his team, except for one thing, turn the ball over, right? He did not turn the ball over, and that's huge. And, you know, it's funny because as many turnovers as Prescott had this year, I never really worry about him turning the ball over. He's not a high turnover guy. He just isn't. He isn't. Schultz with a big game, seven catches, 95 yards, and two touchdowns. I will tell you what I'm going to take. I took a couple things from this game. One, I hope that everybody realized what I've been saying all year about Tom Brady. He's done. He's cooked. Not even a top 15 quarterback anymore. Took him 66 throws to score two touchdowns. Cowboys defense isn't exactly the 85 Bears. Solid. They'll turn you over but not the 85 Bears. And he's got weapons. But they've been out of sync all season. The other thing that I took from this is that Ezekiel Elliott, under no circumstances, can ever, ever carry the ball anywhere near as much as Tony Pollard does. The other day, he looked slow, no pop. And I think Zeke has value in certain spots. And I think that he'll be better on turf. I think he'll be better against certain defenses. But against a defense like Tampa's, who's pretty big up front, or even the 49ers next week, If you're the Cowboys, you have to sit Zeke down and say, listen, brother, we're going to give you that first drive because you're the starter. We'll give you a little respect. And it's not like he's terrible. But Tony Pollard, if you're going to run the ball as a team 28 times to the backs like they did last week, they ran the ball 35 total, But Prescott ran seven of those. If you're going to run the ball 28 times, you can't have that 15-13 split that you had last week against Tampa if you think you're going to beat the 49ers. That's got to be closer to 20-8. to Has to be. If you watch that game and you don't believe that Tony Pollard is a game changer at this point in his career and Zeke is basically a role player, then you're either Ezekiel Elliott's mom 
or his agent. Now, moving forward, moving forward, very interesting matchup with Dallas traveling to San Fran, according to Vegas. And we're going to touch on that as we speak about next week's games. But we're going to start with next week's games on Saturday at 4.30, where the Jaguars will travel um, to Kansas City. The Chiefs are an eight and a half point favorite, and the total is 52 and a half. I had somebody yesterday say to me, Sergio, I don't like betting the Chiefs minus a lot of points. But in this game, I just don't know how you can go into that game and take the Jaguars. I just don't. I just don't. I think they had their Super Bowl or their playoff game. I think this game in the second half could get away from them. So if I had to bet this game, I have to bet the Chiefs. I really do. I really do. Philadelphia takes on the Giants on the night game. Philadelphia is a seven and a half point favorite. I thought that line would be closer to nine. I think a lot of that is they know that the Giants are always a heavily bet team, number one. And number two, it's a divisional game. So they have Philadelphia at seven and a half to control some of that, hoping that with that half point, it scares some of the betters. But I think that Philly understands this very well. Get to 24 points and the game's over. And I believe that they will be they will be fine. I guess the only question mark is to what degree of sharpness is Jalen Hurts. That's what it comes down to. If Jalen Hurts can play the way he's played this year and make enough throws, this game 24-10, 27-13, but I do see Philly covering also. And I'm not one of these guys that likes to lay a lot of points. And I always speak about that, especially in divisional games. But I just know that the Giants tend to struggle to score, especially against good teams. And again, I'm not going to bank on a team that got beat both times already by the same team. And I know that there are people out there that for whatever reason will tell you that it's hard to beat a team three times. Statistically speaking, it's very easy. In fact, it happens over 82% of the time in the NFL where a team goes 2-0 and and wins the third game. So, yes, it's very easy to beat a team a third time. On Sunday, Buffalo's a five-point favorite and the total's 48 in Cincinnati. Surprising on two fronts. Number one, I'm surprised that line is that high. Very surprised that line is that high. Essentially, the 49ers line is three and a half over Dallas. So what Vegas is telling you is that Dallas 
has a better chance to win in San Fran than Cincinnati, the defending AFC champs with Joe Burrow has to win in Buffalo. I'm going to call bullshit on that. I'm going to tell you that out of the four road teams, Cincinnati's got the best chance to win. And I love the Bengals getting the five. Hell, I might even bet them on the money line. Now, I don't believe they are a better team than Buffalo. I don't. And I don't believe that they have more talent than Buffalo. But my eyes cannot be lying to me this much. And my eyes the last couple of weeks, for about three or four weeks, are telling me that Buffalo just is not sharp. They are not clicking on all cylinders. So if I have to bet somebody in this game, Cincinnati is definitely the play. The 49ers, like I mentioned, are a three and a half point favorite. The total's 46 at Dallas. I said this line would be at four. A lot of people were telling me the line would be higher than four. I couldn't see how. Um, I think a lot of times you have to understand that it's not so much the talent on the field, but also the money in the betters that's going to come in. And Dallas is going to generate a lot of money just because they have a huge fan base. So if you thought that game was five, you can make it at four. People are still going to take Dallas. And I think that's what you're seeing in this game. Now, the line actually went down to three and a half initially. I think they're begging you to bet the 49ers. If you're a Dallas fan, Vegas right now should make you feel comfortable in this game. If you're a Dallas fan. If you're a 49er fan, that line has to be somewhat concerning to you. What should not be concerning to you is the players that are going to decide it on the field. Because you beat Dallas in Dallas last year. There's no reason why you should not beat them at home this year. I do feel the 49ers win the game outright. But if I'm betting this game, I have to take Dallas plus a three and a half. This could be a 21-20 game. This could be a 2017 game. But Dallas is definitely the play with the points. There is no way Dallas is going to get that same type of decision-making from the coaching staff that they got this past week playing Tampa. I mean, what Tampa, you know, it's funny. We speak about these coaches. We speak about these coaches. And at 31-6, I'm sure a lot of people thought the game was over with Dallas and Tampa. And it was something that, it was 31-6 and Tampa was in field goal range on fourth down, and they went for it and didn't get it instead of kicking the field goal. They're down 25 points. Even if you get three touchdowns and all three two-point conversions, you're still going to need another score. Why they don't kick the field goal, I don't know. You're going to have to ask 
you're going to have to ask Todd Bowles, who continues to get these jobs and is terrible. But if he would have kicked that field goal and make the game 31-9, they come down, they score a touchdown. Now it's 31-17. Now it's a two-score game, and they got the onside kick. But getting the onside kick down three scores scares no one, puts no pressure on no one. Dallas is not going to get those decisions this week. So they're going to have to be on their A game if they really want to win this game. And it's a winnable game. Especially since you know you're going to have at worst, at worst, a slight edge at quarterback. Which is where a lot of these games in the playoffs are won. You've been listening to the Sergio Rodriguez show. A show unlike any other. <laughs>